A new report graded the retirement systems of countries across the world, and America earned a C plus. Coming up on today's show, how you can build an A-plus retirement plan. You don't want to miss this one right after this. And now, Wealth Health Radio with Joe Murphy. Hey, welcome in. It's Wealth Health Radio. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Joe Murphy's here, and uh, Joe is an investment advisor representative, independent fiduciary, Murphy Wealth Management, and so much more. Uh, Joe, hi, how are you? Well, Steve, I think if I had, I had a tail, I'd probably be wagging it right now. Doing pretty good, buddy. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Doing well. This is going to be a fun segment, I think, just because it, we're talking about the 2023 Mercer CFA Institute's Global Pension Index. And they rated the retirements around the world. When you said that in the beginning, then I took a second look and we got a C plus. That's not very good. No, it's not very good, and it's been decreasing. I actually follow the the Mercer study. I know the dork in me. It, you know, <laughs> I look forward to this study because it shows overall trends. Um, and, and for our radio listeners that that may not be familiar with this Mercer study, it's basically across the world all country retirement systems that are included in this study, and we'll go through a couple here today. Um, how they ranked, you know, and, and there's a couple different ways that they they break it down. So our system, and I'll, and I'll focus here on the U.S. Sure. The U.S. system is funded, Steve, uh, mostly by individual retirement accounts, so IRAs, 401ks, those defined contribution plans, and Social Security. So our grade of C plus um, that was received is a little bit just about as as much average as you can be, and then they give us a little bit more, but we regressed in every single category. Mm. So the, the categories that we're looking at are integrity is the big one that I wanna focus on. Um, and what integrity is, it covers regulation, governance and protection, communication and reasonable costs for individuals that are participating in the system. So what integrity, why that's important and why integrity is one of the most important focal points of this study, Steve, is because without integrity, people would lose confidence in the retirement safety net into the system. Just like currency or money, it has value because people believe in it. The same thing with our retirement system here in the US, People believe in it, so that integrity, although decreasing in, st in, in score, is still there. If we lose that, all bets are off with a lot of this stuff. So it's really interesting to see these, these studies, but it is absolutely critical that the United States maintains confidence and integrity in our retirement system. And it's, it's the, the most fascinating part about this study, Steve, is really what's affecting our retirement. Like, why are we decreasing? at a rapid pace why is the confidence really really going down here in this country and number one there's some demographic situations um, we have falling birth rates in this country you know so mm -hmm. if you're looking at overall demographics that has a big impact because we're not we're having more recipients of retirement funds than we are workers contributing so the lowering birth rates, we're not going to see a, a shift in population for some time unless we can re, re, you know, renew these birth rates to where they used to be. Um, another one, Steve, is inflation. Uh, high inflation is a devastator for, for a lot, but interest rates, inflation, it increases the cost of existing government debt. And right now, Steve, and this started happening about 10 years ago, um, our debt has outpaced our gross domestic product in this country. So we actually have more debt than our economy is producing. And that trend has been steadily increasing over the past 10 years. And we are at a high point right now. That's kind of scary when, when debt <laughs> is overtaking your production. Um, the next one, and this is one I want to spend a little time on, Steve, and, and I think you'll, you'll see why here in a second transitioning to defined contribution plans. Okay. Back in the day, Steve, remember the old pensions? Um, the old school pensions were basically done for us. We didn't have to really worry about managing investments, figuring out when to distribute, how much this these retirement savings are gonna fuel our lives. We didn't have to worry about that with pensions. And back in 1975, Steve, uh, 27.2 million people participated in the private sector in these defined benefit plans, AKA pensions. pensions. Yes, and there was only 11.2 million 
1975 that had defined contribution plans, aka like 401ks. So we've now had a complete flip. And the last statistic that I have is from 2022, Steve, but it'll exemplify exactly what's going on and why our retirement system is suffering. By 2020, only 12 million had defined benefit plans or pensions and 85.3 million have defined contributions or 401ks. So we saw a complete flip in how we save for retirement. We went completely from everything was done for us. You know, we couldn't access those defined benefit or pension plans. You couldn't, you know, rob your own cookie jar. So the savings level stayed up, the investments were managed and people didn't really have to worry about running out of money. They knew that they were gonna get a paycheck for life. Now in the 2020s, it's all on us. We have to do all this. We have to put money into these plans. We get an employer match, but we're in control of our destiny when it comes for retirement. And the unfortunate thing with the 401ks and the defined contribution plans is we allowed people to access them early, whether an emergency or not, and that you can construe that as a good thing or a bad thing, but it is the direct result of why we have such low savings levels in our country for retirement because we allowed consumers and people that were participating, hey, it's their money, but they were robbing their future self to pay for the now. And whatever the reason was, it's created this catastrophic retirement situation that we're in. And 51% of Americans have accessed their 401k or defined contribution plan early. Not sure what your thoughts are, Steve. I'm really curious. Hopefully I explained it well enough where you kind of get the gist of why we're in this situation. But I'd really love to get your thoughts on what you think um, about the 401k, the emergence versus the pension. Well, I didn't realize the uh, there had been a complete flip like that, and I knew it had been sort of an ongoing process. And and I mean, believe it. I mean, I graduated from high school in 1975, and so I was right. vaguely aware of kind of what was going on. You know, heading into college and like that. I mean, but boy, to see what it's ha- to see where where it is today, and and you talk about um, the the difference. So to me, it seems. You know, uh, who was it? Robert Benna, Benna, who uh, who found or discovered the 401k. Yeah. And his yep. whole his whole concept was, well, hey, look what I found, a, a, an additional tool to help people save for retirement. And the, yeah, it didn't take long for industry to figure out, oh, wait, we can just eliminate the pension and just make them do that. Yeah. And why would why would employers want that? What what would cause them to want that money? Costs. Money. Sure. You, you know, they were on the hook with these pension plans and existing pension plans for some of the union workers out there that have pension plans. They're gold. You know, it is so valuable. But the employers didn't want to be on the hook to pay someone for the rest of their life. Um, and, and that's why we saw this mass migration, because it was hands off by the employers. Employees liked it because, you know, if they switch jobs, that loyalty may not have been there. People aren't working 10, 20, 30 years for the same company. They could t- take their retirement savings with them, a.k.a. 401k rollover. But with the pensions, if you left your work and you weren't best, you could actually lose that benefit. So we saw a mass migration, obviously 85 million people with 401ks. It's all do it yourself. It went from done for you to do it yourself. And we as Americans did not handle that transition very well. And here's why, Steve, and I'm going to boil this down, financial education. This should have been when this switch, when we saw this massive change um, in retire in the retirement landscape, education should have been on the forefront. We should have taught our our younger generations how to manage money, how to plan for retirement, how to understand the stock market. Bad investments have crippled some of these four hundred one ks because if you're in charge and you're not sure what you're doing, maybe you're just you know filling out you know checking boxes to pick your investments. All these things coupled to the situation that we're in right now, and obviously the government is alert. It's dire with our retirement savings level in this country. And this this study really, to me, exemplified the why. So is it is it that much better in other places? Uh, you know, because if we came if we got a C plus, obviously some people got A's. Are they? Does that mean it's better than ours, or is it just different? Well, I'll give you, well, I'll just tell you the top three. Netherlands were number one. They scored an 85 out of 100. Iceland came in second at an 83. Denmark came in third at 81. So they have extremely well-run retirement systems. Well, but their Um, populations are a fraction of what we have to deal with here. 
thank you very much. Less people to have to take care of equals more effectiveness. So these countries, again, are in the same you know, comparison bracket as the United States of America. But as you said, population is drastically different. So you know, we've talked about the best. Which ones are the worst? And, and this is real. This is really eye opening. Argentina is the the worst retirement system. They're they're undergoing hyperinflation. For those of our listeners that aren't familiar with Argentina's economy right now, um, triple digit inflation is just crippling that whole area. And obviously, their retirement system is is feeling the brunt of that. The Philippines, which was a surprise to to me, was the second worst. Okay. Um, the Philippines is consistently rated one of the best places to retire, but not one of the best places to save for retirement. And then following three is India. So you know we saw we see a lot of of differences between the top and the bottom. But the main thing is the economy that drives. I think that's the biggest difference between the best and the worst. And like you said, population is a big outlier. And it, unfortunately, all these countries were thrown in the mix and compared regardless of their population count. Sure. So, you know, looking at this and, and Steve, one more thing that I wanted to add to the study before we close it up. We have seen a massive increase in this country of what's called gig workers, GIG. And if you're not familiar with that, it's those that are on contract or on demand, like an informal labor market. So that means more individually focused retirement plans, less reliance on employers. Technology may be part of the answer here, um, but it's not a be all end all. We need strong government leadership to revitalize our, our retirement system here in this country. And we also desperately need education so people don't make mistakes in their you know 30s or 40s and take a large sum of pre-tax money because the emergency in front of them needs an immediate address and they end up robbing their future selves and they're not understanding how much they're, that's costing them. It's accessible. And when you have funds accessible, you know, regardless of the penalties and the taxes that you might pay or incur, you're going to solve that problem. And that's been the recipe for people in this country and in other countries as well that allow it. They're, they're robbing their own cookie jar for the future. And that's something that we have to address because we are going into retirement in a generation going into retirement that is ill-equipped um, to, to depend on their funds for 20, 25 years. It's just not going to happen the way we think it is. That's why we are pressing as much as possible um, to our government leaders is that we need an overhaul in our retirement system. Couldn't agree more, Joe. And let's uh, let's invite folks to call. If folks are concerned, now would be the time to, to come on in and, and shore it up. Yeah, absolutely, guys. And you have to understand that everything that you have saved is going to fuel your life for 20, 25 years in retirement. How much are your savings going to take you? And that's the question that a lot of people don't know the answer to and still walk through that door of retirement. This is your opportunity to get a ground zero, a baseline of where exactly you are at today, What's some things you may need to work on to get to where you want to be? Next 10 callers, we are going to do a review of your current savings. We are going to take a look at things like market risk, longevity risks, some threats that could derail the retirement of your dreams. Next 10 callers, it's a conversation. 15 minutes with me, we'll get you to where you want to go. Steve, give them that number and we'll get to work. 800-930-5905. It is that simple. Make that call today while you're thinking of it. It's the whole goal of the show. And Joe says it each and every week. It's it's helping. It's to help you make the best decision for you. If you've got questions about what we're talking about, how it might apply in your own situation, I'm sure you do. Make that call today, 800-930-5905, 800-930-5905. We are going to take a quick break. we got lots more to talk about here on Wealth Health Radio with Joe Murphy. When we come back, we're going to discuss some challenges facing Social Security and what you can do to plan for the future right after this. We're
We're back on Wealth Health Radio. I'm consumer advocate Steve Sadal. Joe Murphy's here. Joe's been helping folks for more than 20 years getting to and through retirement. And boy, that retirement landscape is ever-changing. And uh, it's good that Joe is here because he stays abreast of all of that. Or at least he tries to stay abreast of all of that, <laughs> yeah. Joe. I know it's a challenge, isn't it? Just, I mean, what you were talking about here today, just the, the, the kinds of things that just, oh, okay, well, now I want to learn about that. Now I need to learn about that. I dive down many a rabbit hole, Steve, and find myself at, you know, two in the morning reading, you know, researching, yes, reading, and di- you know, just really trying to connect and figure things out. You know, that's that's what my job is, is try and piece things together. And, you know, we're not right all the time. I don't think anyone is, but we do know there are some flashing lights. And, and one of the things that I wanted to talk to our listeners today was the challenges that are facing Social Security. So I know we've touched on it in the past and we've talked about the risk score, but I wanted to take a segment today to kind of really break it down um if that's okay Steve, yeah I'm gonna sure kind of rip right into it well i think it's so. well i think it's important and, and again these are questions that people have and and they're getting pat answers and i think this is the time where we can dig in and, and give some straight shooting information yeah, I mean, again, you, you got to know where you are. And that's why that risk score that we provide to our listeners and, and clients and friends that, that call in is so valuable because it lets you know right now, today, are you at risk for these potential reductions in 2033? So the Social Security Administration, Steve, they've already disclosed that future reductions to Social Security benefits are not just possible, they're, they're probable. Um, It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We know that trust fund is set to deplete in 2033. We also know that the current payroll taxes are only enough to cover 77%. We're having more people leave the workforce than are working. So it's a math problem. We know it's going to go down to zero. That creates a huge quandary for our government is how to make up that shortfall. And if they do nothing, everyone across the board that is a Social Security recipient will have a 23% reduction reduction. We don't believe that they're just going to let this go. And I'm going to go through a little bit today. But by 2033, guys, the payroll taxes collected is only going to be enough to cover three quarters of that scheduled benefit. So every American does face this risk that your promised Social Security benefit will be cut by 23% in 2033. These challenges facing Social Security system will continue to grow. Back in 1965, for every Social Security Security recipient, there were 5.1 workers paying into the system. Today, that ratio has fallen nearly in half with only 2.7 workers to support each retiree. So experts have forecasted that number will continue to fall into the future. And in addition, people are living longer. So we have a double whammy there. When Social Security began, the average life expectancy at birth was approximately 65. Social Security was designed and intended to only provide income for just a few short years. Today, life expectancy at birth has risen to 84.6 years, which means many people will receive income for Social Security for two decades or more. We were talking last segment, Steve, how the 401k wasn't the be all end all for retirement savings. Social Security was not designed to fund retirement for two decades. So we're running into problems. So, you know, our client savings, their income can be a significant factor in whether you receive full benefits as promised. Many government programs means test for eligibility, AKA Medicare Part B. So every politician has looked at means testing as a potential solution for social security benefits for that shortfall. In 2020, Individuals with an income in the top 16% of U.S. households were not eligible to receive the economic impact payments, commonly known as STIMIs. So if you didn't get a STIMI, you've already been means tested. Premiums paid for Medicare Part B, this is another one. They increase based on your income. And by and by 2031, Steve, this is an interesting one, over 13.5 million retirees will be means tested oh for Medicare. Oh, my gosh. 
Yes. So 13, you, know, you said high, 13 and a half million? Yes, 13 and a half million <sighs> will be means tested for Medicare. Higher incomes, larger retirement savings, increase the risk that you will be means tested for Social Security benefits in the future. So if you're earning over a certain dollar amount, the government may decide that you do not need Social Security as much as others and therefore may change the rules and reduce your benefits. The politicians on both sides of the political aisle, they've proposed proposed various means testing rules to try and alleviate some of the financial strain on Social Security and a variety of other government programs. So this is a mess right now, guys. And, and what I want to get out there is, is, is the why, you know, why we should be concerned with future cuts. And Steve, you always ask me, like, what you weren't always in this camp, you know, why did you change your mind? Right. It, and it comes down to the voting power. It really does. I mean, the boomers have been in charge. Their political leadership kicked this can down the road. They're going to start losing that voting power. So by 2036, baby boomers will only control 18% of the electorate. That's if younger generations are asked to shoulder their burden of the reduction of Social Security benefits, their minds are on climate change, um, student uh, student loans, you know, free university, health care. They are not concerned with making up a shortfall of full benefits for older seniors. So when that voting power changed, Steve, and, and we're looking at the timing of this being in 2033, we know it's the younger generations that are going to be making the, the laws and voting. They're going to control our government, or at least they should. Hopefully, we still have the same type of sure, government. Sure, sure. Um, but that is the that is the inherent problem right now. And apparently, we need to stop them. <laughs> yes, appar apparently we do. Or we need to identify if our listeners here on AM560 have a problem. And it's real easy. It is a non-invasive seven-minute to eight-minute phone call where we ask a few basic questions about how long your parents lived, what your total assets are, how much you have in an emergency account, ballpark general questions, and we can gauge using artificial intelligence um, if you are at risk for a potential social security reduction in 2033. You have to know planning, Steve, takes one ingredient overall, and that's time. And the more time that you have ahead to plan, the better that you can sidestep potential hazards. This is where that social security risk score comes in. It is a four page report that is very comprehensive that will identify your risk score, why you are at risk, what we can do to help you gap plan. And if you're unfamiliar with gap planning, gap planning is simply creating a strategy to overcome a certain obstacle like a reduction in benefits. And with a lot of Americans relying 40, 50, 60% of their retirement income coming from Social Security, a 23% reduction could really put a hamper on the retirement of your dreams. So this is an opportunity for you to call no, no cost. This is all complimentary. Have a conversation with me. Ask those burning questions about Social Security, and I will be able to email you your very own risk report. Once we identify if you do have a problem, we can tell you about certain strategies that we've implemented for our clients already here at Murphy Wealth and what we can do for your situation. Next 10 callers, Steve, are going to get a complimentary risk report for Social Security. Don't miss this. We are not going to do this forever. Um, we are not going to do this forever for free, I should say. So this is your opportunity to call, get your very own risk score. Steve, give our listeners that magic number and we will get to work. You got it, Joe. 800-930-5905. It's why we're giving you the opportunity to review your individual circumstances. As Joe pointed out, there's no cost. There's no obligation. Find out about how much risk you're taking. What about Potential red flags. How much are you paying in fees or commissions? Potential tax liabilities. And of course, what we've been talking about here, maximizing your Social Security benefits and keeping them where they need to be. If you want to take advantage of this complimentary review and that Social Security risk score, it's a phone call away. 800-930-5905. That's 800 930 5905. A quick break on the way. We're back. Uh, we've got lots more on Wealth Health Radio with Joe Murphy coming up. When we come back, what is going on with our economy? Economic forecasts have been wrong lately, but is that anything new? All that and more right after this.
we are back on Wealth Health Radio with Joe Murphy. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Joe's been helping folks for more than 20 years. Murphy Wealth Management is where you find him. MWMfinancial.tax is the website. MWMfinancial.tax. Check it out. Lots of great information there, Joe. And uh, what we're about to get into, uh, you know, you were talking about, uh, you know, how forecasting has not been all that mm, up to up to par, so to speak. Well, I wanted to do a, a segment on this because I, I found it interesting, Steve. I was reading an article on uh, CNBC by Robert Pisani, and uh, he, uh, Jamie Dimon was doing an interview. He was in Saudi Arabia recently, and he was doing a talk, and he was talking about economic forecasts. And he said that forecasts have been really wrong on the economy recently, but he said that's nothing new. They've basically always been wrong. So Jamie Dimon said he, he was shocked, kind of, like mm. facetiously that economic forecasts of the major Wall Street banks had been 100% dead wrong in the last 18 months. Oh my so gosh, Jamie, really? Yeah, yeah, dead dead wrong. Wow. I mean, we had outliers, you know, COVID and wars oh, and all yeah. this crazy stuff that's going on. Um, but what he was saying, he urged humility with, with some of these forecasters saying, you know, when you're just looking at statistics and numbers as an economist, you're missing the big boat. And one quote, Steve, that I wanted to bring up today, and I love it, whether you love or hate Elon Musk, his his quote th that he said, the most entertaining outcome is the most likely has come to fruition. And, and really, I mean, it's, it's amazing what's happening in our world today. And it does. It just seems like, you know, if you look back on your life over the last year, could you have predicted it, with any accuracy all the things that happened in your life. And most people are going to say, no, life comes out of left field, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Steve, can you, I mean, did you think your year was going to be the way it was? Not even I, the first minute. <laughs> not, yeah, not even the, the first minute. I agree with you 100% there. It's an impossibility. So the point of this is, is economists look at statistics. And what they look at is numbers, demographics, trends, and, and what these guys focus on is using this information to try and forecast economic movements or market, you know, stocks moving up and down. They try and predict this, but what we've seen, if you analyze all the economists, and, and I'm talking about some of the finest economists in the world, you know, look at our Federal Reserve. Janet Yellen and Jerome Powell were saying two exactly opposite things about our economy within the same breath at the same meeting. So even these economists, as much as heralded they are, and they know their numbers and their formulas and, and how they apply everything, their accuracy really isn't there. And what that means is do not take everything that you hear as gospel, um, especially when it comes to the economy, when it comes to market movements, because what these economists have shown us over the last 18 months, according to Mr. Diamond, is they have no accuracy at all. Um, maybe that provides a little bit of relief. Maybe that provides a little bit of concern, but I find it interesting. And, and I'm not sure about you, Steve, but you know, I don't know if you're a trader or you like to play around with the market at all. And you, know, you listen to these guys and they really sound like, I know what's gonna happen next. Do they really? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, they don't, but they're very good at convincing. And that led me to reread re one of one of my favorite books. And this is again gonna bring the dork out in me. Um, Mr. Robert Schiller. Steve, are you familiar with Robert Schiller? Have I you heard am. of him? Yes. Okay, so this guy for a radio audience that may not be familiar, he is an economist, he is Ivy League all over the place. He is a Nobel uh, Prize winner in, in economics. This guy actually has an economic indicator in real estate named after him, the Schiller Case Index. Right. So this guy, yeah. yeah, this guy's got a lot of credentials and he's got a lot of track record, but he wrote a book and he's been really pumping something called narrative economics. Steve, have you ever heard of narrative economics? Not until we talked about about it just a bit ago. Okay, so it, it's trying to understand economic changes or major economic events by not only just looking at data or numbers, but looking at the story behind it. And, and one of the examples that he used, Steve, that I absolutely love was Bitcoin is a perfect example of narrative economics. Great Back description. When Bitcoin, yeah, yeah, exactly. And back when Bitcoin first started emerging, um, if you saw people that were buying Bitcoin and the price obviously went from zero to hero and one of the fastest we've ever seen in this country or in this world, the price appreciation was ridiculous. That didn't just get fueled because Bitcoin was a great vehicle. 
that was fueled by narrative economics, the word of mouth, it went viral. And if you asked 100 people to explain Bitcoin and how it worked, 99% of them could not do it. That's not good or bad, but what it exemplifies is how word of mouth and how our stories and how we relate to each other as human beings really can have a major impact on economic trends. So if we look back at you know the, the Great Depression, which Mr. Schiller studied, um, you know we saw the excess of the 20s, the roaring 20s. Um, people were buying stocks and just making obscene amounts of money. There was excess all over the place. People started down talking it, saying this is folly, this is stupid, this doesn't make any sense, something bad's gonna happen. The next thing you know, we almost wished ourselves into one of the most massive, the Great Depression and one of the most massive corrections in market history. Is that tied together or correlated perfectly? No, but if you look at some of Mr. Schiller's events like Bitcoin and how human beings and our stories and how we share and relate can really fuel or put an end to an asset class or an idea or a vehicle, it's absolutely amazing. And I found it fascinating um, to me to read, and this is the second time I read it, but the second time I read it was, was Bitcoin. And, and, and that to me was the big catalyst to say, you know what, Mr. Schiller probably has something here. Because if you think about Bitcoin in its essence, it's it's innovative, it's, it's very complex, it's a mathematical theory, and people became really excited about it. But Steve, why do you think people became excited about Bitcoin? Was it the way it worked? Or maybe someone made a little bit of money that they knew and they told them about it. That's, How do you think it went I down? I think it was a combination. And I think part of it, too, is just our fascination with something that's so new. We've never exactly. heard of this before. And it's, it's not it's regulated. A, it's a revolutionary way of using currency. Right. So the way of the future, you want to be a part of the future, Bitcoin is it. I don't want to miss the boat. That was you the story. Say, I mean, that you, was you were talking story. about story. That was it. Yeah. Yep, and there was there was FOMO, that fear of missing out. Yep. And there was also something called YOLO, you only live once. <laughs> and, right. And and a lot of people went all in, but that explains to me the fuel that that caused that parabolic, ridiculous up craze in, in prices in Bitcoin when it was approaching its highs. And now we've seen it come back to earth a little bit. We're getting a little bit of oomph. Is it the future? We don't know. But the stories, the human stories are what really drove that. And economists throughout history, Steve, have shied away from any type of emotion in economics. It's just not something that these guys consider. You know, they're wearing their glasses. They're studying their statistics. They're not taking into account human beings and our ability to convey and our ability to pump each other up or our ability to bring each other down down. And I think that is a very important ingredient in analyzing, especially for us here, because we don't sit here and study statistics all day long. If you really want to hit a good stock, the best thing that you can do is get in front of what? The biomass. You have to be one of the first guys in. How do you do that? If you can study human behavior, look at the trends that are happening. That is the oomph that maybe you know a one bagger on a stock maybe you, you know you make 10% or you know you hit a 10 bagger the emotion that drives these stock prices is something that you can better predict i think than the actual statistics that you know the fed econo economists are using you know to talk about inflation or interest rates or what's going on with their economy i'm more in the camp now of looking at this narrative economics and really looking at human behavior as a higher impact than economic economists have given it credit for does that make sense to you steve it makes perfect sense narrative economics now that i mean again thinking about things in a different way that's how we learn and that's what i'm doing i'm learning yeah i mean look take, taking stories seriously it's important when predicting what's next for our economy and now with the advent of computers technology phones we have more data than ever to analyze and we can learn through market research looking at social media gathering information from internet searches technologies can help uh, evolve how economists look and predict future events. So maybe we can have a better degree of accuracy in the future, Steve, when it comes to predicting some of these massive events that we've had in the past. Mr. Schiller is on record. He predicted the tech bubble. So this guy knows what he's talking about. In 2000, Truly. he was out hollering, saying these tech information stocks 
this is bubbled out. A human human emotion is driving these asset prices way above where they should be. And he accurately predicted that. He also accurately predicted the real estate crash. He was out there hooting and hollering back in 2006, saying these prices are too high, these prices are too high. And what he studied from that trend and that event of that real estate crash was he saw a thought change. People started thinking, hey, you know what? These prices are too high. You know, maybe we almost thought ourselves into a housing correction. But it's an interesting theory. I wanted to bring it up. And if you do get an opportunity and you're a dork like me, check out the book Narrative Economics by Robert Schiller. It's a it's a good read. It's not boring statistics, but it's interesting. And it shows that there's more than meets the eye when it comes to economics. And as a trader and as someone that, you know, I manage stocks, we manage all sorts of investment accounts and different vehicles. To me, having an extra thing to look at or give me, maybe if we're on a teeter-totter with indicators, looking at what people are thinking, what's driving people to buy or what's driving people to sell can really help us get a better prediction on future events. Is it gonna be accurate 100%? Nothing is, life's too unpredictable. But can it give us a better indicator? Possible. I'd love to hear from any of our listeners that pick up that book and read it. Please message me if you do and you have any questions. I'd love to talk about it. I just, I found it a, a fascinating read the second time around. I liked it the first time, but the second time around, I really absorbed some of the stuff that Mr. Schiller was talking about. So I wanted to take a minute and share that, Steve. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really, hopefully, our radio audience you know, dives into that book and, and and has some good insights as well. But please pick it up if you get a copy. Not a big pump. I'm not paid by Mr. Schiller. I just read it, thought it was really good, wanted to share. Well, and again, I'll put a link to it in, in the podcast when that comes out uh, this weekend, okay? Yeah, so if, so if you go to the podcast, folks, uh, I mean, from the website to Apple, anywhere you get a podcast, I'll have a link to the book there and uh, this whole show. Yeah, that that's fantastic, Steve. And it is. It's, you know, w- when we're in these types of upheaval, when there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, now, you know, we're looking at two wars, we're looking at massive government debt, and and it seems like no one really gets a straight story, you know, to me to have something to hold on to, maybe even, you know, outside of our government, but the economic part, just something to hold on to, to say, hey, you know what, maybe we have a little bit of an edge here. To me, that's everything. But it is. It's such an uncertain time. And, you know, we we hear a lot of fear from our listeners that call in, from, you know, our client base, like what's going to happen next? I wish I knew, guys. I really don't have those answers, um, but I'm not going to stop trying <laughs> to, to right. find out what could happen next. So again, great book, good read, and hopefully you get a chance to, to pick it up and, and learn a couple new things. Terrific. Well, let's just go ahead and slide into a break here. I'll remind everybody sure. you can call us at 800-930-5905, 800-930-5905. You can get that Social Security risk score. Again, no cost, no obligation. Better yet, you can set up a time to come on in, sit down with Joe and the team, and put your own plan together and keep it ready for you when you retire. We're going to take a quick break. Let's come back and uh, pick it up right here. Joe, we'll be right back. When we come back, it's time to start planning for required minimum distributions. Deadline's coming up in a couple months, guys. We are going to review required minimum distributions and what you should be on the lookout for for 2023 right after this. We're back on Wealth Health Radio with Joe Murphy. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall, having a great show today. I love the ground we're covering here, Joe. It's just, you know, there's just so many important things. And, and this segment in particular, talking about RMDs, uh, that is something that, that people are kind of confused about because there's so many changes. We, we talked through Secure Act and then Secure Act 2.0, and there are a lot of rules that have changed that, quite frankly, most people are unaware of. Yes, we, we see that all the time. And, and I wanted to spend a little time to educate everyone on RMDs. And here's, here's the main gist of it. If you own a pre-tax account, you've been contributing to a retirement plan, any type of pre-tax account, remember that money that you've deposited has either gotten you a tax write-off or a tax deduction, or you've removed it from taxation um, by contributing that money into your retirement plan. The government gave you a boon up front on the back end 
when they get paid is required minimum distributions. And we've had some recent changes. We've had a lot of questions from our clients here at the firm. So I wanted to take a minute to address uh, required minimum distributions, what they are, how they work, and obviously with the deadline coming up for any of our listeners right now that are age 73 in 2023, you want to listen up to this, turn up the dial, and we will make sure we get you educated. Anything I don't cover, extra questions, please give us a call. We'll clear it up for you. So in a nutshell, required minimum distributions are the minimum amounts you must withdraw from your retirement accounts each year. So again, every year the government forces you to take a certain percentage that is based on your age and there is a life expectancy model and calculations that you can, we can show you how to do that. It's right on our website um, that will show you the amount that you need to take out of the total amount of pre-tax money that you have. So we'll go through the different types of accounts, but I wanted to explain how these things work. Secure Act 2.0, recent legislation that came out, raised the RMD age. A lot of our listeners may remember the age 70 and a half. Yes. And then 72. We are now at age 73. The RMD increases to age 73 beginning back in January 1st of 2023. So if you've turned 73 this year, this is your time to start looking at RMDs. In 2033, by the way, the RMD will further increase to age 75. So individuals that were born 1951 and 1959 will need to start their RMDs after age 73. Those born in 1960 or later can delay your RMDs until age 75. So that gives you a little bit of a, a guideline there. Okay. Um, these are very important deadlines for when you must take uh, the retirement withdrawals. You get extra time to take your first RMD, but remaining RMDs for the rest of your life must be taken each calendar year um, for individuals turning 72 in 2023. This is that kind of gap because we had recent legislations in there. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be upcoming choices surrounding your first RMD. So if you turn 72 in 2023, call us. We'll explain it to you. I don't want to get everyone on the radio confused right. um, with that little gap between the Secure Act uh, 1 and Secure Act 2.0. Um, so a couple things, there's a lower penalty, um, missing an RMD, not taking an RMD, maybe you're, you didn't get your custodian's note or your advisor didn't help you out and you failed to take an RMD. This can happen. If you do, it used to be a 50% penalty of the money that you failed to take. So if you had a $5,000 RMD due and you didn't take it, it was a $2,500 penalty. Plus you still had to take the RMD and then pay taxes, which was fantastic. Not really, it was horrible. Um, so they did reduce, uh, they lowered the penalty for missing the withdrawal. Um, so you're looking at a 25% penalty in 2023 if you do miss the RMD, but if you are and you notice it or you catch it in a timely manner, they may waive it or they may reduce it to 10%. So they've gotten a little bit more lenient because that was a crazy harsh penalty. Sure, sure. 50%. I mean, that's just ridiculous. We never, we distribute our clients RMDs. So obviously none of our clients have, but I've heard horror stories of clients missing several years of RMDs and then getting that huge bill from the IRS. Yikes. Well, um, you make a great point, Joe, in terms of if, if I'm your client, I don't need to worry about that. You're going to set it up. You're going to make sure it happens and I'll get that money and, and it'll my taxes will get paid. You know what I mean? I don't have to think about it. Yeah, you don't. And and for most of our do-it-yourselfers, let's just say you're custodying your, your assets over at Fidelity. Fidelity is going to send you a, a message saying, hey, you need to take an RMD. Now, sure. if you don't take it or you don't get that message or you don't check your accounts very often, um, you could find yourself in a little bit of trouble there. But we help our clients. We force distribute those because I would rather get them out than have to pay the 25% penalty in 2023. Um, one big thing, charitable uh, QCDs, qualified charitable distributions. We do a lot of these instead of paying taxes, maybe you don't need the RMD. So having that RMD removed from taxation, you can do something called a qualified charitable distributions. You have to be age 70 and a half or older. Um, you can make qualified uh, charitable distributions up to 100 grand each year without owing income tax on the transaction, and it will satisfy your RMD for that year. Account holders, you can also do a one-time gift up to $50,000 directly to an eligible entity through a charitable gift annuity. So really 
really important here, guys. Make sure that it is a registered charity. You can't just give it to the local zoo that you like, or you know, as as Brian Les would say, the Golden Retriever Society. <laughs> yeah. You cannot. Yeah, you can't do that. So if you are considering a QCD please make sure that you verify that it is an eligible charity that you are looking to donate or you could find yourself in some hot water with penalties and rmds um, so joe I, let me ask about this the, the sure. charitable annuity that sounds that's intriguing to me because that's a lasting that's a lasting gift then oh yeah without a doubt yeah the charitable annuity it's it's, yeah. it's in a trust so the annuity is basically away from you it's a separate entity but that annuity will will continue to pay that that charity that's really cool. I like that idea. There's lots of cool stuff. If you guys are, you know, any of our listeners are, are want to give to charities, we can show you how to do it tax efficiently and also really maximize that benefit to the charity of your choice. We love doing stuff like that, guys. So give us an opportunity. You can compare us to your advisor and see what we can do. I think you'll be amazed at the amounts that we can magnify when it comes to charitable distributions. How do I know how much my RMD is? I mean, is that a set fee? Is that a percent? How do we figure that out? That is a fantastic question, Steve. And there is what's called life expectancy tables. But if anyone out there is like, I don't feel like doing math, I don't want to do the, the math problem, no problem at all. Go to our website, mwmfinancial.tax. There is a tab that says resources. If you click on that resources tab, you go to the qualified plan calculators. The second and third one down will help you calculate your yearly RMD. So if this is your first year, you just turned 73, you're like, how much do I need to take? It's gonna look for your 1231 2022 fair market value of your pre-tax amount total, and that will help you accurately project what your RMD is going to be for this year. So we have the calculators right on our website, very simple to use. If you have any trouble with it, give us a call, we'll walk you through it, but those are free to use for anyone. You don't need nice. to be a client here at Murphy Wealth to take advantage of our resource tab. We have awesome calculators on there. Please use those for the RMDs and great questions, Steve. I, you know, I appreciate you asking. And it's, uh, well, yeah, because it's sometimes, yeah, I mean, again, you never really know how much. Again, obviously the more you have, the more that, the bigger that's gonna be. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and you got to also consider what type of account, you know, uh -huh. if you have a 401k and you're 73 this year, but you're still working, you can defer that until you separate from service. So there's caveats to all of this. And this is where it really pays, Steve, to have an advisor on your side. So if you have an unconventional situation, maybe you're working past age 73, or maybe you have a different type of plan, you may or may not need to take an RMD. So number one, understand if you do, and that's where we can come in. But here's the difference. Most people have IRAs or 401ks slash 403bs. Okay. This is the one that trips everyone up. With IRAs, the individual retirement accounts, say you have four IRAs, you can actually take your total RMD based on your overall pre-tax balance out of one account. You do not need to distribute out of each of those four IRAs. That's what makes IRAs a little bit better or efficient to distribute in the future. Your 401k though, we've had clients with seven, eight 401ks that maybe just let them off or you know they were doing well, they don't pay much attention. Then they hit RMDH and they do not realize with required minimum distributions and 401k plans, you need to take an RMD from each individual 401k or it will not be satisfied. So again, there's complexity here. That's where we can straighten out your situation. And I wanted to talk today about RMDs because the deadline is 1231. So if you turn 73 this year, you have until the following April to take that first RMD. But should you? If you take it that following April and next year in 2024, you're going to be forced to take two RMDs because then you have to take another one at 1231. That could create tax issues. So you want to make sure that you have a plan for RMDs. That is where Murphy Wealth comes in. We can help make sure that you have an efficient RMD plan. So maybe it is to your advantage to take two RMDs in one year, or maybe it is your advantage to take this first one by 1231 of this year and spread that taxation out over two years instead of having two for one. Um, again, this can get complex. 
It doesn't need to be. We can understand, listen to your situation. And once we hear, we'll be able to break down your options. That is what my job is, is to understand a, a potential client's situation and present options, educate our client on their options and let them make the ultimate decision. Steve, I'm always gonna open up my big mouth. Every single time I'm going to advise, that's what my job is. But the ultimate decision lies with our clients. My job is to educate. That is so important. We've tried to do things differently at this firm. Instead of me saying as a broker, you do this, you do this, you do this, it's my way or the highway. We wanna put the power back with the people. Give them the education that they weren't provided growing up in our schools and core curriculum. We want to make sure that people understand the why. That's what's important. That's why we are different. We are focused on education. So things that are confusing and constantly changing like tax law, tax code, RMDs, these are things that you need an advisor on your side to make sure you're doing it in the most efficient way. If you call your custodian, Fidelity, and say, hey, do you have any RMD planning? They're going to make you pay for that. They are absolutely gonna make you pay for that. The desk people are not gonna help advise you on these types of situations. We do, and that's why having private wealth management can really pay dividends. We wanna pay for ourselves, Steve. We wanna make sure that we have an impact. Most of my clients do not mind paying a fee because they know they're getting value, and that value lies in our experience and our advisement. That's where we differentiate ourselves from a lot of other wealth managers out here in this area. That sounds fantastic, Joe. This is it. We're going to have to wrap it up. I'm going to invite everyone to call right now, giving you the opportunity to review well, your individual circumstances, just what we've been talking about here today, whether it's an RMD question or you want, you've got a QCD question. Maybe you're wondering about Bitcoin. Well, and again, these are all things that you can sit down and talk with Joe and the team about 800-930-5905, 800-930-5905. Joe, as always, this is a fabulous show, really insightful stuff. And, and again, I think uh, I think listeners appreciate that. Well, it's, a, it's always fun to talk for me. So I appreciate everyone listening and I hope everyone has an awesome week. The chill is in the air. I saw snow today. Um, we, are, we are getting the colder weather, which I kind of like, but everyone have an awesome week. We'll talk next week. Content of this radio show is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any type of securities. Joe Murphy, MWM Advisory Group, and Murphy Wealth Management are not responsible for the consequences of any decisions or actions taken as a result of the information provided in this radio show and do not warrant or guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information provided. The information discussed today reflects the views of Joe Murphy and his guests as the date of this show and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any forward-looking statements or forecasts are based on the assumptions and actual results may vary from such statements or forecasts. No reliance should be placed on any statements or forecasts when making any investment decision. Accordingly, listeners should not rely solely on the information provided today in making any investment decision. There is a risk of loss from investing in securities, including the risk of loss of principal. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will be profitable or suitable for a particular investor's financial situation or risk tolerance. Asset allocation and portfolio diversification cannot assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses.